Frank, and welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call, and I am glad to be here with you tonight. Yes, I might sound a little funny. I have a bit of a cold, but praise God, he's still on the throne. There are people in way worse condition than I am, so I am thankful to be alive. And with that, I am excited about who's on the program tonight, uh, backed by popular demand. Um, Matter of fact, if I don't have him on too often, I start getting the wrath against me. Uh, and I can understand why, because everybody loves hearing from Brother Benjamin. He's not just a guest, he's family. I've known Brother Benjamin since 1999 when the Lord used his book to turn me from a life of drugs uh, and everything you could possibly imagine to born again and freed from that that life of bondage. And so with that, I'm going to bring Benjamin on here tonight with us. Benjamin, are you there? Hey, Frank. Yeah, great to be here. Hey, man, brother. Thank you so much for coming on and... um you know, from the time we talked about you coming on, well, just actually, you sent me a message yesterday to today. A lot of things have taken place in this world, brother. And I, before we get into that, I'm going to ask, could you just open our audience with a word of prayer and let's get going? Yeah. Amen. Father God, we lift up our hands, Lord. We lift up our hearts. We lift up our heads for our redemption draws nigh. The year of redemption is nigh upon us, Lord. And and the events of the end of the age are all they're all coming together right before our eyes. It's simply amazing to watch. Lord, we're looking forward to your soon return. And so we pray that a word of truth would come forth tonight to bless Amen. you. In Jesus, Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. Well, brother, I'm going to turn it over to you for a minute to share because, I mean, it's gotten, I guess you were saying earlier, we've gone next level in, within a few hours. Yeah, well, the, the United States has began a massive bombing campaign in the Middle East. And um, let me get an exact quote here um, so I don't mess this up. Uh, you know, this is an intel update that the United States military is going to utilize some of its most advanced new weapons for the first time over the next 48 hours to make an example of those who harmed our troops, and to send a clear warning to the entire rest of the world about America's actual power. So, yeah, who knows what they've got cooked up. Wow. Apparently, we're going to be using some weapons heretofore not yet seen on the battlefield. You know, so Babylon's going to flex her muscles. Oh, great, you know. Nevertheless, you know, she might impress the world. She doesn't impress God. And her judgment has been decreed it is certain to come and you know i think the evidence at this point is is probably in that this year 2024 will will witness the fall now this is i think it's probably accurate that the 70th jubilee is about to begin which you know for those of us that are in the in the camp of the remnant um this is going to be the best year of your life. God's going to turn things around for his people big time. And when God does stuff like the redemption of his remnant, uh, the Lord goes big. I mean, it's going to be spectacular. It'll be the best of times. 
for the remnant of God. It's going to be the worst of times for the world. And, you know, that can't be changed. God's judgment is, it must come. You know, the Lord in his righteousness and in his sovereignty must judge the earth. And he, and he must also cleanse his people. So, um, you know, if you're still struggling with any indwelling sin, fast and pray, get some help, get some prayer support. Do what you can to repent. Engage in spiritual warfare. You know, confess your sins one to another, and that's a powerful strategy. Get ready because it's coming. It's coming down big time. And uh, and we're here. We're in the year when everything's going to change. So praise God. You know, the it's just amazing how there's no talk of peace, you know. There will be peace talks before the nuclear war. Um, it's, you know, my witness, you know, and I'm not trying to be a prophet. I've just sort of thought through how this would logically play out. You know, we're going to see this war accelerate. It's going to grow. It just keeps growing. It's like a forest fire. Nobody's putting out, you know, and it's just, you know, it's, it's setting more and more structures on fire every day. And it's going to grow into a massive blaze before it's over. But, you know, we're, Ultimately going to see, uh, in my opinion, um, a time of uh, peace talks. I think the UN, you know, after the Korean War engages, and you know, we now we've got wars raging in Europe, in the Middle East, in Korea, and and um, you know, according to the the communist, you know, military strategy against us, they, I think there's also a chapter for China, for the Chinese military to use their hypersonic missiles and destroy a few U.S. naval warships. And at that point, we'll probably see a ceasefire. You know, the U.N. will call for a global ceasefire, and, and all the leaders will sit down and speak lies to one another while the enemies of America re resupply their troops, reposition their forces for the, for the final attack, which will include the ground invasion of America. And that'll be World War III. Israel will be invaded. It'll be the Ezekiel 38 invasion of Israel, the attack on the land of unwalled villages, which is America, and, and the Lord will intervene. There'll come a point in the war, and this is in Jeremiah 50, verse 44, where the Lord intervenes. You know, the um, I know I've read this before. It's It's really one of the awesome verses of Scripture. And the Scripture says, you know, the king of Babylon, this is in, 54, 43, the king of Babylon heard the report of the enemies of America and his hands wax feeble. I guess our current president already, he already fits that prophecy. <laughs> and anguish took hold of him. And pain as a woman in travail as, as our president realizes our military is being destroyed. The nation is being invaded. There's nothing the arm of the flesh can do to stop what's coming. In verse 44, behold, he, the Antichrist, will, his forces will come up upon like a lion. They will come up from the swelling of the Jordan. The war in the Middle East is what really got this going under the habitation of the strong, which is the United States. But I, the Lord God Almighty, will make the enemies of America suddenly run away. Mm, glory. Amen. The Lord's going to redeem. You know, at that point, 
my expectation is um, we'll have a much smaller population. Uh, at that point, at the point of God's intervention, you know, the Lord waits for like the perfect timing, right? Um, he waits until the moment where there's no hope. He waits to move in the space of time where only a miracle can save us because he, he wants to show everybody that he did this. And so, you know, if it's true to form, you know, the Moses lifted his, his staff into the air and then plunged it into the Red Sea. And then the waters parted and Pharaoh's army was almost on top of the Israelites. They just had enough time to escape. I mean, it's like a perfect plot in, a, in an action movie, right? The Israelites barely escape as God's miracle power intervenes in exactly the right moment in time to save his people. And that's how he's going to save America. It'll be when all hope is lost. I, the Lord, will make the enemy suddenly run away from her. How does Jesus do that? How, how does he? It's really easy for the Lord. All he does is lift up his hand with the stop symbol. Palms facing out. And he shows that in the spirit world and all the satanic armies stop. And they run away in fear. Now, is he going to you know, reveal the anointed ones? Will he reveal the Gebarim? You know, perhaps so, right? All we know is the Lord did this. Exactly how is he going to do it? I don't know. We're going to find out. You'll see it if you're still here. He will make them suddenly run. You know, in a moment, they will be panicked when they realize they're fighting angelic armies now. And they will run. And then and it goes on and it says, and who will appoint me the time? So, you know, the time, we're not talking about the day or the hour of the second coming, where no man will know the day or the hour. You know, and now, it's my opinion that it will be in the fall holy days. Um, and, you know, and, and perhaps during tabernacles, we don't know, but that's a good guess. And we will see the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. We will bend through the five months of darkness. I mean, we will have counted the 1260 days. You know, I mean, we will all know, those of us that are still surviving remnant on the earth, will know how the Lord's, you know, he's about here. It'll be a day, any day now. It might be today, it could be tomorrow. We don't really know the day. We don't really know the hour. Okay, that's the second coming. The fact that God's going to intervene in this war and that the timing of the war would be known by a remnant of the people of God. That's right in the scriptures, in Jeremiah 50, 44. But, you know, only those who really receive revelation from God can see these things. You're not going to find it on the, on the internet news shows, right? What you get today is a whole lot of anti-Semitism. It's amazing, Frank, how, how so many people who call themselves Christians suddenly hate Israel. Oh, I know. It's horrible. It's unbelievable. And now look, I recognize that most of the nations of the world have satanic government in place. Okay. I'm aware of this reality. The government of our country is satanic. These Chaldeans refer to the U.S. as a captured operation. But that doesn't mean I hate America. 
You know, and yeah, there's no question that the same satanic forces that have taken control of Europe, that are behind the communism of Russia and China. And, you know, anybody who thinks that Putin's a Christian, you know, are you kidding yourself? He's a KGB agent. Now, Russia stands publicly in, in their propaganda. They stand for morality and they stand against abominations of human behavior and you know, hey, that's all great, but that doesn't make them all born-again Christians. Hitler claimed to be a Christian. And the Nazi slogan was, by, by resisting the Jew, we serve the Lord. Well, no, actually, the commandment of God is unchanged. The word of God is unalterable. Those that bless Israel, God blesses them. And those that curse Israel, a curse is coming upon them. And it... You know, and it, we know from the scripture, all the nations will turn against Israel at the time of the end. Well, wow, it's happening right before our eyes. Praise God. We're closer than we've ever been to the return of the king. Hallelujah. And um, before Jesus returns, the Lord's going to change a lot of things in this world. You know, he's going to deliver America. He's going to use America one last time. And I know that because the Lord told me that audibly. When I was, I had a weekend where I was permitted in the Holy of Holies with three other people on two different evenings at a, at a missions conference back in the late 1970s. And on the second night, we were in the presence of God and Jesus was talking audibly. And all four of us heard his voice. And he was speaking to each person about their their ministry, their destiny. And, and he also talked about other things. He, and one of the things he spoke to me of, and he gave me an actual vision at the same time. He said, at the time of the end, I will once again use the United States of America. And, I, and in the spirit, I saw an American flag. And it was all lit up in bright white light, but it was in utter darkness. I mean, it was darkness so dark, you could cut it with a knife. And that was the darkness that had come upon the planet. And yet God was going to redeem a remnant in America. He was going to use the United States. He said so himself. I will once again use the United States of America. And I was sort of blown away. I didn't know that. I don't, still to this day, I don't know what that means but I can tell you how he's going to prepare the country for this ministry. What's left of America has a destiny with the Lord and the Lord is going to use America. And, you know, maybe it's the fact that the eagle's wings get plucked off the lion kingdom, which is the head of the Illuminati, right? We came out of the lion kingdom in England. We're going to get plucked in World War III, but those eagle's wings are given to the woman to flee into the wilderness maybe what's left of america helps the remnant flee to the wilderness of zion hey praise god that'll be a fun assignment but in any event before god uses america god's going to purge america with fire and you know that's god's way before he uses a man he first empties the man out you know in the and the higher the calling that you've received from the Lord, the, the deeper and the darker 
the prison cell that you have to sit in and endure, the afflictions that you have to overcome. I mean, you know, look at Joseph, forsaken, literally abandoned, total abandonment complex in Joseph, right? I mean, he was truly abandoned, forsaken, betrayed by his own brothers, sold into slavery. No doubt they gave him 40 lashes just as a, as sort of like the introduction to life as a slave, to get the point across. And then he was taken to Egypt, so sold to Potiphar, you know, God's favor. He was, I'm sure he had a, something of a comfortable life in Potiphar's house. Potiphar loved Joseph and then falsely accused of, of rape and adultery and um, arrested. Now he's in the prisons of Egypt, a slave in prison for an uh, assault on the wife of a member of Pharaoh's court. And Joseph sat and rotted in that prison. You know, Paul, blinded, knocked off his horse. God first cleans us with his purging fire before he brings the fullness of our ministry into the world. Because otherwise, you know, if we had any remnants of the flesh left, guys, we, we would... We're all tempted to become proud until the Lord finally pours us out and shows us what we're really made of. And there's nothing in there to be proud of. Nothing. You know, think of Daniel. I mean, we know Daniel in, in Nebuchadnezzar's court was, was the most honored of his wise men but the same daniel was taken in bonds in chains in slavery to babylon the same daniel was was set up and and accused of breaking the king's commandment he was thrown in the den of the lions his friends were thrown into a burning furnace you know they were probably sweating as they were getting close to that fire and they really didn't know if god was going to deliver them did they any more than we know, right? Do you know if God's going to deliver you and what's coming? Or will he deliver you through it if you belong to him? We don't know. I mean, Daniel didn't really know. Or maybe he did. I, I could be speaking amiss. But I'll tell you, if they were throwing me in a lion's den, I wouldn't know for sure what's going to happen until the angels came and shut the mouths of the lions. A little bit of me would be wondering, you know, maybe it's curtains tonight, right? We're going into the den of lions, which is the great tribulation. Most of us don't really know. Is the Lord going to deliver us? We're going to go through the fire that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked in. The fire that's coming upon our country, you guys. It's unbelievable. Nothing like this has ever happened. And a remnant will walk out. Hallelujah. Amen, brother. No, brother. That It is so contrary to the modern day prophet flying around in their jet, loaded with money. All this stuff going on is so contrary to no other prophet in the Bible ever lived like that. Even the close, even Abraham, who was rich, lived in a tent, fought war with his own 
people, went through trials and struggles just like everybody else. He wasn't flying around, um, you know, back in the day in Canaan, in that land area, in a you know the corporate jet. You know, I mean, this it's so crazy that well, people the, forgot what the word of God was like. Frank, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. These guys in these jets, they're just little Caesars. Most of them are not even saved. But you got your other same ones here that we hear on the radio today, making money off the back of the end time believers with all this stuff they're selling. I'm not even going to get into it. Just, you know, it's nothing but one. Yeah, book. no, forget, yeah. All, forget them. The money changers will soon be thrown out of the temple. As a matter of fact, the money changers were all in the outer court, right? Obviously, all that corruption could only take place in the mixed multitude. And Jesus went through there and he, man, he, he cleaned house. Well, this time they're going to burn the outer court to the ground. So, you know, these guys and their money, it's all going to burn shortly. Amen. In, in, in my opinion, later this year. But in any event, let's talk about, I want to talk about Daniel just for a minute. Just want to read a couple of verses about Daniel. This is Daniel 5, starting in verse 11. There was a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father made him master of all magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. And isn't that bizarre? Daniel was actually made the chief ruler over all of these professions is really what they were. These were the white collar professionals in the days of ancient Babylon. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding and the interpretation of dreams and the understanding of hard sentences and the removal of all doubts were found in the same Daniel. Daniel was a man of un, un, literally incomparable wisdom. Whom the king Belshazzar now, and we're found in the same Daniel, whom the king Belshazzar now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the inter interpretation. And that was when the writing on the wall, right? Many, many tekel uparazim. Your kingdom has been weighed in the balances, and it's deficient. And you are about to be judged, and your kingdom will be handed to another. That is exactly what should be written on the walls of the White House, on the dome of the Capitol, on every government building. In the spirit, let them write many, many tackle parasim. You have been found wanting. Yeah, let me read the exact. Because that really is the time that we're in. I mean, it's it's time. Yes. Many, many tackle parasim. God has numbered your kingdom. Your 70 years of rule is over, America. You are finished. He's numbered it and he's finished it. Well, but Benjamin, he didn't destroy it immediately after the 70th year. No, they just released a bioweapon and killed millions of people. And then they brought out another bioweapon, which they mandated, and it's killing millions more. More people have died from the bioweapon attack on America than in all of the wars this country has fought. And you don't think we're already under judgment? Open your eyes. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances of God. You are found wanting. Weighed in a balance of righteousness. America is bankrupt. 
weighed against the balances of iniquity, America is as sin-laden as any nation. How many innocent lives did the Nazis murder in Germany? Six million Jews, maybe 10 million, counting the rest of their political enemies? How many did Stalin kill in the gulags? 10, 20, 30 million? How many innocent lives has America butchered? 70 million just on our own shores? 500 million worldwide? You have been found wanting of righteousness, guilty of iniquity, of unprecedented amount. And your kingdom is divided. Boy, isn't it? Aren't we divided? There's no United States. We don't agree with the other side of the political divide. We don't agree on anything. Oh, we can't build a wall. There's no way to build a wall. We don't have the money to build a wall. We can spend $20 billion housing and providing free medical care for this migrant invasion. But we don't have a few billion to build a wall. Right. Until they want to keep everybody locked in. Then they will build the wall. But now our own government wants the legal power to cut down the wall. Let's cut the razor wire. We can't have any barricades. This invasion has to proceed at full speed ahead. The kingdom is divided and given to another. Case of ancient Babylon, it was the Medes and the Persians. In the case of end time Babylon, it'll be Chinese, the Russians, Nicaraguans, Cubans, um, Venezuelans, I guess, uh, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Yemen. I don't, I don't think I need to go on. You guys get the picture. They are, they're coming to take slaves. China's opened up the lower 48 to all these plundering nations and and they're all they've all been told you your armies can go and plunder whatever you can carry home it's yours take the cars take the trucks take the furniture take everything take the women take whatever you want take the young kids in the slavery take them you have strived with the lord you have called evil good and good evil. You have lifted up hands of rebellion, hands covered in the blood of the innocent, as you have arrogantly displayed your sexual abominations for the nations. And the Lord can stand no more. Judgment's already been made. You've been weighed and you are found guilty on all counts. And your kingdom is divided and it's about to be destroyed. And that was the eve on which Belshazzar wanted an interpretation of the writing. It's also the number 2520, which we don't have time to touch on tonight, but it's fascinating. This proclamation of judgment is also a proclamation of timing. Then in verse 6, pardon me, chapter 6, verse 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom. Now Belshazzar's gone. Darius, some say it's just another name for Cyrus, that it's a title. Others say, oh, no, it's a separate king. Well, I tend to think it's just a title, and that we're really talking about Cyrus. 
there's a disagreement among the so-called scholarly community. But in any event, it pleased the king of Media Persia to set over his kingdom 120 princes. So there was a new government established. That's exactly what God's going to do. When Jesus takes control of the United States and he causes the enemies of America to run away, he's going to appoint one like Daniel as the overseer. You know, it talks about it in Jeremiah 50, verse 44. He talks about, um, let me just read it for you real quick here. God's going to create, he's going to install a new government. You know, he says, behold, I will make them suddenly run away from America. And who is the chosen one that I may appoint over America? Who's the Daniel of this generation? And who is like me? That's interesting. And who will appoint me the time? And who is that shepherd that will stand before me? Hear, therefore, the counsel of the Lord. This is the Lord's counsel. You want some advice? This is God's advice to the people of God. He has purposed this judgment upon Babylon. And he's purposed it against the land of the Chaldeans. And surely the least of the flock will draw them out, will lead them out. Surely he will make their habitation desolate with them. You know, all those men that think they're so great, that are rich and celebrity status now, yeah, they've all been passed over by the Lord. Rejected silver is what they are. The Lord's going to bring a Daniel. There's a Daniel coming forward. And Darius, after the fall of ancient Babylon, set up 120 president or princes who were basically the governors over the different regions of the kingdom. And over these, he set three presidents who were Daniel's friends, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give an account unto them that the king should have no loss. Then this Daniel was preferred above all of the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the entire realm. And that's what's going to happen. The Lord is going to set a Daniel, in whom is an excellent spirit over the entire realm, right on. And then the presidents and the princes, they sought to find an occasion against Daniel. A little bit of a rebellion went on, but they could find nothing, for he was faithful in everything. And there was no error or fault in him. So, you know, what, is, what does it take to have an excellent spirit? Why was Daniel preeminent? Daniel was preferred above all of them. The word in Hebrew is natash. Natsach, I'm sorry, pronouncing it wrong. It's natsach. It means to be preeminent, to be enduring. It also means to shine. Daniel's light was bright. It means to be pure. Daniel was pure. He was clean. It means to be reliable. You could count on Daniel. If Daniel gave you his word that he would do something, Daniel always did it. It also means to be completely pure and innocent. Daniel had no guile. There was no deceit. Daniel wasn't crafty. He didn't use his words to try to trick people. Cheat people. Daniel was pure. He was innocent. And this word comes from the word, the root word means to be bright, to be brilliant. 
And it also means to act as an overseer. To be an overseer in the rebuilding of the temple of God. Or to be the overseer in the ministry of the worship of the temple. To be an overseer in the ministry of God's own house. And you know what? Every one of us should set our hearts to strive to be excellent, like Daniel was excellent, that we would become pure and innocent, that there'd be no guile in us, no, no crafty words. You know, I worked with different executives over the years, and they were proud of, that they had what they called a smoke machine. And they could talk to people, and the people would believe one thing, the words really meant another. They were crafty. Well, they, but Daniel was the exact opposite. Daniel said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And so that's that's a picture of the remnant. And um, it literally means to be extraordinary, to be exceedingly excellent, to be perfect. Now, we can't develop that in ourselves. We're fallen, broken people. You know, much many of us are still overcoming things that have plagued us our entire life, you know? You guys know what I'm talking about. Everybody's on that page one way or another. But yet Jesus told us, be ye perfect. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, you know, I think Daniel is one of the few men of faith recorded in Scripture who were perfect. As far as a man can be perfect, Daniel was perfect. He was reliable. He was pure. He was innocent. When Daniel confessed his sins, he was confessing the sins of the nation. I'm sure there were days where the Lord told Daniel, you did not sin today. Daniel walked uprightly with the Lord. And you guys, I'm here to tell you, if you're born again, if you've been saved by faith, if you've received the Holy Spirit and you have the power and the life of God in you, you not only have the legal right to walk in perfection before the Lord, but Jesus will give you the power to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil so that you could actually walk therein in that level of righteousness which is incredible. Now, there's only a few that enter in, but all of us have the legal right to do so. But this overcoming victory, it doesn't come without a price. No pain, no gain. You know, Daniel devoted himself to prayer and fasting. He served the Lord in prayer and fasting without ceasing, Jesus said. Daniel set his heart on the things above, and he, he planned his day. He, he literally was an overseer who reviewed and carefully monitored his time, and he set aside time for prayer. He set aside time prayer and fasting and he made the time in service to the lord the priority of his life hallelujah 
Now, how do we get there from here, right? <laughs> Have you ever heard that joke? You know, the, like some guys lost in the in the rural parts of America and some back road thought he could take a shortcut. And now he's just completely turned himself around. He stops at some farmhouse and he says, he sees a local rancher guy and, and he says, Hey, I'm trying to get to such and such. And that rancher says, you can't get there from here. <laughs> you know, obviously um, it's a joke, but it does have some meaning because it, there are places where people live their lives, where you can't get there from here. You know, if you're in that place of, you know, self-love, which Jesus prophesied would dominate the world, right? You can't get to excellence in the spirit when you're completely full of yourself. In, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're, we're told, know this also, understand this. In the last days... Perilous times would come. And that word for perilous in the Greek, let me look this thing up for you. It's kalipos. And it literally means furious, fierce, dangerous. And it comes from a root word that means demon-possessed. We live in a demon-possessed time. We live in a time of danger, a time of great trial, a time of fierce, perilous difficulties. Those times have come. And in this time of darkness, men shall become lovers of their own self. It's an epidemic of narcissism that was warned of in the scripture. Covetous, it's all about what they can get. Loving money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, taking the name of the Lord in vain, disobedient to parents and authority, unthankful, ungrateful, unholy, without any natural affection, truce breakers. Oh, yeah. Just violate any covenant of peace. False accusers. Oh, boy, I know that one well. People that just simply lie and accuse you of something you didn't even do. And you know what the listening audience does? Most people just run with it, Right? Even though the scripture says, don't accept an accusation against an elder without two or more witnesses. In this last generation, people are fools as well. They don't follow the admonition of scripture. But, you know, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Oh, yeah. They hate the people that are actually walking in holiness. Despising those who do good. Traitors. They will betray you in a heartbeat. They love you today. They will betray you tomorrow. They're high-minded. Oh, they are the most important person on the planet. Lovers of pleasure and pie and whipped cream and coffee. They're given over to gluttony and pleasures of all kind, more than lovers of God. One of the hallmarks is these people don't ever fast and pray. They love their food too much. They serve their bellies, not the God of heaven. They serve the God who's about to be cast down to the earth. All of these horrible traits could be attributed to the fallen one who's about to be cast down forever. They love their pleasure more than the God of heaven, though they have a form of godliness. Oh, yeah, they do. They appear to be godly. 
Well, but they said they loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. But they deny the power thereof. Well, what's the power? These signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. Have you cast out any devils lately? They will lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Have you seen any miracle recoveries lately? They shall drink poison and nothing will harm them. And this power is absent from much of the church. And, and, and I'm not saying the absence of the power proves that people are, are actually apostate. I'm just saying they don't have the power. They're denying the power of God. How? How is the power of God being denied? Well, what is the source of the power of God? Well, okay, we know God's infinite, right? But why did Jesus say, you? These signs will follow those who believe and are full of the power of God. They will lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. They will cast out demons. They will do the greater works that have not yet been done. But how did they get that power? What's, what makes them different? The power of God's the cross. power of God that is available under the new covenant, it only can be apprehended through the cross. You can't get there by claiming, name it and claim it, which by the way is a completely false twisting of that prophecy or that scripture in the book of Job. You should declare a thing and it shall be established. No, that is not what it says in the Hebrew. You shall discern a thing as true and so your way shall be established. You know, why don't you try to declare the Rocky Mountains are going to get thrown in the sea? See how far that gets you. Or declare that the Ravens are going to win the playoff game, which a lot of people did. But they're not. They didn't. Declare that Trump's the president. People are still making that declaration. Boy, that really changed things, didn't it? No, this is all foolishness. That we have denied the power of God because we've denied the cross and we've denied the death of self which is required to walk in the power of the Spirit, you have to get out of the power of the flesh. But we're in the time of the great apostasy. For most people, it's never even been modeled for them. You guys have never even seen it. Well, the 70th Jubilee is about to happen. And the day of vengeance is about to come. A time of fear such as never was is going to come upon the earth. And the Lord's going to redeem a remnant that are holy unto him. And he's going to fill them with power from on high. Amen. You're going to see this power come. But these, these ones that have walked in their, their self-love, coveting the money, you know, full of pride and boasting and false accusers, slanderers, despising those that are actually good, traitors, lovers of pleasure rather than of God, holding only a form of godliness. They have denied the actual power of God from these turn away. And the scripture says they're ever learning, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, the, these are the false wizards that withstood Moses in the courts of Pharaoh. They will proceed no further. Their folly will become manifest now unto all men. So what do we do in a time such as these? 
you know, guys, um, I'm going to wrap this up here in, in a moment, but I wanted to kind of ask a question of the audience and you guys can respond by putting in comments or whatever. Um, I was, you know, considering doing an in-depth teaching into what it means to be a lover of your own self. Well, you know, how is this narcissistic epidemic that's raging around us? How is it occurring? How is it disguising itself? How is it damaging each and every one of us? And, and what is the antidote? What's God's prescription for, for coming out from this epidemic of selfishness? Embracing the power of the cross, denying ourselves, seeking the, the holiness of God, with which the scripture says, without the holiness of God, no one will see the Lord. You know, there's a wide road of people that are holding a form of godliness, convinced they are Christians, and maybe they are Christians in their mind, but they're not elect in the eyes of God. And they are perishing with the many, and many would seek to enter the kingdom with through the wide road of all of these sins and compromises, while only a few would enter through the narrow way, which is the door of absolute truth, and it's the way of the cross. It's the way where you pick up your cross and deny yourself. And it's the way where you literally put your flesh on the altar. But I was wondering if, um, and Frank, you can certainly weigh in as well, um, if the audience would want maybe um, some more insight into, you know, how is this narcissistic epidemic, how is this thing really working? And what do we do? What do we I, do? I think it would be out? wonderful. I, you know, I, of course, I've had the direct, um, I've had a run-in with the, a religious narcissist at a, at a higher level. And... Um, it's it's uh terrible and folks it is um it's interesting because one of the signs of the narcissist is they believe that they have a relationship with either a celebrity or divinity uh that's different than everybody else's and it clouds their mind and judgment it's the same thing as the narcissism that you see in our government except their religious uh divinity or in their mind is satanic and um, brother, I would love to hear more about it because it is everywhere. And unfortunately, it's throughout the modern Christian world, especially uh, through the highest levels. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. You know, we can certainly do that. You know, I I would assume other people would find that uh, beneficial and then they can always turn off the program if they don't like it. Um, so what's the ultimate antidote, brothers and sisters, I'll tell you right now. The antidote is, is God's prescription for this hour in the word of God. And in, in many places, and I'm just going to read one, the prophecy at the end of the age. This is from Isaiah 26. I'm going to start with verse 17. Like a woman who is with child draws near the time of her delivery. And we're getting close. We're, the baby's going to be born. In the next nine months, we've got a baby coming. A man child who's going to rule the nations is about to be born. And she's crying out in her pain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's for, that's real. This isn't some metaphor. 
those that are going to bring to birth the kingdom of God into this world, they are in pain right now. And it's not a little bit of pain. It's a lot of pain. And so we are in thy sight, O Lord. You know, and um, the remnant are the afflicted ones. We're the ones that are looking for deliverance. And people on the wide road, they're pretty much the your best life now version of Christianity. You know, they're the pie and coffee and whipped cream Christians. Um, and they got it all. They got the money. They're the Laodiceans. You know, and they want to make Babylon great again because they love it here. And um, they don't consider the afflictions of Joseph. It doesn't matter to them that they've got brethren that are suffering tremendously. They don't think about it. And they, they don't think about the babies that are being butchered either. They, they think about their Super Bowl parties. And they can't wait to watch the Nephilim play again in another weekend. They're thinking about all of the the food that they can eat, the drinks that they can drink, and the pleasures they can continue to enjoy. And tomorrow will be more prosperous than today. So we, in the remnant, we are in a time of affliction. We've been with child. We've been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth only wind. We've not wrought any deliverance in the earth. Neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen yet. But I got news for you, brothers and sisters. Right here, as I said, the power is absent from the true church. That's exactly what Isaiah testifies in 2618. We have not wrought any deliverance. You shall cast out devils. Not in this hour. It ain't happening other than in a very rare circumstance. Why is that? Because of the great apostasy. Because of the narcissistic epidemic. Because of the just the defilements of the land, the blockage in the third heaven, the fact people don't know spiritual warfare. There's a thousand reasons God's going to deal with every one of them. But while the Lord is preparing to bring about a transformation and a revival in this nation following this fire that's going to come, in which hundreds of millions are going to burn, okay? It's not a metaphorical fire. This fire is going to be 5 million degrees at its core. But as, as we await this time for the transformation of the remnant, the scripture goes on and says, Thy dead men shall live. The dead in Christ shall live. And those that died in Christ, who took the, the power of God, which is the cross of Jesus Christ, and they applied it in their own life, and they brought death to their own self, they will live together with my dead body. The, the prophet is declaring himself dead as he's writing the words. We shall arise, awake and sing, you that dwell in the dust, you that have died, the seed of corn that chose rather than to abide alone, to give its life as a sacrifice, that it could bring much fruit into the world. Even as Jesus told us, unless a seed of corn falls to the ground, it abides alone. Now, it can enjoy its pie and its whipped cream and its coffee and its pleasures of Egypt and pleasures of Babylon until those empires burn. But it cannot arise out of the dust of the earth unless it's first fallen to the ground. And the earth will cast out the dead, and the righteous shall spring forth like new life. But first we are admonished, come, my people, enter into your prayer chambers.
and shut the door behind you. Hide yourself now from all of these toxic people. Hide yourself from all of the lies. Hide yourself from all of the distractions. Hide yourself from all the satanic entertainment. Cover your eyes, close your ears, and shut your mouth. Be silent before the Lord, for he's raised up and he's standing now in his holy temple, ready to judge the entire earth. And rather, go into your prayer chambers and seek the Lord in times of repentance, prayer and fasting. Learn to pray with the spirit of groaning. It's very powerful. Learn to pray in the spirit if you have those anointings and giftings. For behold, the Lord is now going to come forth out of his place to punish all of the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth shall also disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. So it's all going to be revealed now. And judgment is Amen. going to come. And we need to get ready. And getting ready means getting empowered to walk as he walked. It can only be done in the prayer closet, brothers and sisters. Lose the news. Get a day timer. Plan your days. At least plan the times that you are going to seek the Lord. I think Daniel prayed three times a day. First thing in the morning, set aside time in the afternoon. And again in the evening, Daniel spent hours seeking the Lord. Daniel created the Daniel fast. And, and our brother Daniel was a man of fasting, prayer, and intercession. So much so that his entire life became transformed. And the scripture literally records him as a man who is excellent, perfect, pure, shining, brilliantly reflecting the glory of God in a life that has been transformed, a mind that has been transformed, a life that has been redeemed. And that is the privilege of each and every born-again saint. That is God's will for each and every one of us. But we have to do part of the work. Amen. We can't just sit back and expect the Lord to do this transformation. Although, you know, in some of us, that's exactly what he's going to do. These people were just sitting back on their lounging chairs, drinking wine from bowls of ivory, no care or concern for any of the suffering around them. And they just thought, well, the Lord will do the work in me. Oh, yes, he will. He calls it his strange work. And now he will bring to pass his strange act. And if the people in the Laodicean church really do belong to the Lord, the Lord's going to do the work in them that they would not do themselves. And he's going to literally burn the flesh right out of them in a time of persecution such as they couldn't even imagine. And it will be sufficient persecution, sufficient affliction for them to repent utterly. I call it the Repentance Rehabilitation Workshop. You know, the more accurate name is the Concentration Camps of the Beast and um, where the people will be given the sufficient motivation to repent from the bottom of their hearts. And the camps are totally effective. Everyone who belongs to the Lord that goes into the detention system will repent utterly. 
And it doesn't even take long. It's amazing. As soon as they take your children from you, as soon as they take your wife, your idols will mean nothing. The sin that you wanted to hold on to, you, you will curse it. You will throw it from you as an unclean thing. And you'll repent from the core of your being. But, you know, there's another way. There's a better way for the remnant to follow. You don't need to go to the camps. You could be one of those that get hidden. Now, if you end up in the camps, then consider it a retreat and a time for you to learn to repent utterly. And there, I've got good news for you. If you end up getting arrested and they take you to these camps and they, they steal your kids and they take your wife, they take your husband from you, the scripture is very clear. The Lord is going to break people out of these camps. Not everybody dies in these camps. God's going to do a prison break. You know, some people repent. Their repentance is so perfect before God that he's like, okay, I'm busting you out of there. And so, you know, for some of you that are going to end up in the system, uh, it doesn't mean that the beast is going to get to take your life. And, in, and if he does, the dead in Christ rise first. We'll see you at the rapture of the church, which is on the last day as Jesus appears in the clouds on his way to Jerusalem to take back not only his temple mount, which is his home site, but his entire planet. Hallelujah. Come quickly, Lord. Maranatha, Amen. let Amen. all the saints rejoice in the soon coming of the Lord. Amen. Praise God, folks. That's a, a really strong message. Don't take plan B. Take plan A. Plan A is the Lord's will. Plan B is his mercy for us that don't want to listen for plan A. Uh, choose to allow the Lord to do the work in you now. Brother, thank you for sharing that with us tonight. I appreciate. God bless you. Look forward to some on narcissism. Brother, look forward to sharing some of the things we didn't share tonight uh, on the mind control stuff. Maybe we can hit that in another program coming up soon. Yeah, for sure. That would be great to talk about as well. Absolutely. So everybody keep looking up. The This is, even though the times are getting crazy and getting dark, God's not done. Matter of fact, he's just getting started. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion.